is 1920 Gold's new floor, an extremely resilient week for the gold market. We're gonna talk about the return of Tina. We're gonna talk Petty Pelosi, Congress still on vacation, China, September, which is going to be, I believe, a critical moment for juniors. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, the witty, the insightful, the intelligent, Fight the Fed, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 85 of Bizarro World. Nick, I know it's been a week. How the heck are you? I'm good, Gerardo, and the world is so bizarre that the uh, Federal Reserve uh, spokesperson had to say today that their policies are, in fact, meant to support the entire economy and not just financial assets. So um, they publicly made the distinction now, although uh, I'm not quite believing it. How are you doing, Gerardo? I am doing well. As you know, it's been a, a, a heck of a it was a heck of an August. I'm excited for September, um, but I am well, healthy. My wife still loves me. The kids are healthy. And um, we're going to start tiptoeing out into the world a little bit. We'll talk about that and COVID and, you know, Labor Day and, and, and all of that. But, you know, we, 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 we should start with the gold space. We had a week where it appeared for a brief moment that gold might break the $1,900 level and test that 1890 range. I've, I've said for the past week or so that we had a lot of support at 1920 and then at 1890. So I really wasn't too worried about the pullback. I thought it was healthy, but it was pretty notable to me. Uh, two straight days of gold, you know, hitting 1915, 1920, bouncing right back up. We saw it again today. As everyone knows, we record on Friday. So by the time you listen to this, it will be Labor Day. Happy Labor Day for everybody. But um, extremely, extremely resilient week for the gold price. We closed above 1930. Um, that bodes well for this, for this, for this coming month. What do you, what do you think, Nick? I don't know how many other ways I can skin this cat for you, but I will try. Um, <laughs> it is now, it is now time to buy the dip in gold. It is the asset class that is fundamentally in a bull market. Whereas, you know, we were buying dips in broad-based equities for the past half decade or so. Um, and they would always come back because don't fight the Fed, right, Gerardo? Mm -hmm. uh, but now uh, gold has seemingly taken that uh, mantle as far as when the dip comes, it's time to buy uh, not only precious, uh, precious metals themselves, but uh, the related equities. And um, I think that's just sort of what it is for various reasons that you and I have discussed and others have discussed in the in the preceding months. Um, and you look at the volatility in the uh, that's coming back into the stock market. I mean, you know, stocks hit record highs this week and immediately had two uh, very, very sharp down days. And volatility, I think we have to mention, is uh, back up because um when stocks were hitting new highs, it was with a, a VIX that was at a very elevated level. And so um, gold is the is the haven now and you can see money going into it. And um, I don't I don't know uh, what could happen to to bring it below that 1920 mark. Um, it would have to be some sort of, I think, big event, because uh, like you say this week, incredible resilience there. Incredible resilience. A couple of points 
there. Um, you mentioned Jerome Powell uh, not fighting the Fed. You mentioned the statement earlier this morning about the fact that, you know, the Fed is here for all of the economy, wink, wink. And then, you know, an hour before the market closes, um, they, they, they start leaking, the Fed starts leaking um, excerpts of an interview that he did with a, with, a, with a publisher where he makes it clear that interest rates will be low for years to come. You know, and so a lot of people were cheering this morning's jobs report. It's a lot of people just going back um, to work. It's not really job gains, though it is a positive, obviously. Um, we want to see that. But again, if anyone is under the pretense that the Fed is not there, whether it's for the stock market or or interest rates, while it has control, it will do everything in its power to keep financial assets inflated. Um, there will come a moment in the next couple of years where I believe interest rates get out of hand for them. They rise and then, you know, tick, 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 right? Um, but that day is not here yet. The dollar will continue weak, I think, you know, for another month or two at least. And your point on volatility is well taken. Um, big money, the traders, they got in, to the volatility trade late last week, early this week. Not a coincidence. Coincidence that it was followed by you know some pretty volatile days, and then you know the statements from 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 the chairman. But um, let let let's talk a bit about well specifically just what I do in my little corner of the world, right? Which is junior resource stocks and and a large corner of the many things that you do. Um, the junior resource space, September is what I'm calling discovery season. I think there are going to be, and it kind of already started, right? With with a couple of names oh, out there. Oh man. Um, it, yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about the discovery group uh, coincidentally, because they've had a hell of a run um, and added to it, right? A little jelly. Little jelly is right. But yeah, listen, I think September is going to be extremely critical for companies who've seen their market caps triple and quadruple. Um, those will either double again or they're going to get cut in half depending on what the drill bit delivers. And there's a lot of names out there that you should be watching. I will share a couple that I am biased about because I own um, you know, quite a bit of it. Nevada Sunrise Gold um, has three rigs turning at Kinsley. They own 20% of that. New Placer Dome Gold owns the other 80%. New Placer Dome Gold also is drilling the Bolo project. They have a total of four rigs in Nevada, three at Kinsley, one at Bolo. So those are two companies that are going to deliver what I think are some important results. Um, K2 Gold is going to be drilling in California. And I don't know if we get those by the end of September, but I know that when we get those back, those could be company making because I expect a lot from the Mojave Gold Project, high grade oxide gold project. And then I gotta mention Chicana Copper. And if if the whispers are true, um, you know, the whispers are that the rocks look really good. And I think we'll know before the end of September what that looks like. That's just, you know, three or four companies top of mind right away. But September, big, big, critical, important month, I think, for a lot of companies. Thoughts on that, Nick? I was reading an interview with Mr. Robert Bishop this week in which he um, mentioned two of the names that you mentioned there, Nevada Sunrise and K2. Did you pay him off, Gerardo? No, but interests are aligned because we both have written checks for these companies <laughs> and or own um, a little bit of stock. So, yeah, um, I don't think I have 
the pocketbook yet to pay off a Mr. Bob Bishop, but your point is well taken. Um, Can we talk about Kodiak for a second? We have to. I mean, congrats to that group and John Robbins and Chris Taylor. And, you know, I said early on that Great Bear, uh, I'm going to put on my 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 resource stock digest co-owner hat. Um, I've said that the only company that I really wanted to work with from an earlier stage that I hadn't had the opportunity to was Great Bear. And and we all know how that turned out, right? And it was off the strength of the team and, and, and the group. And, um, you know, it, it's the same with Kodiak. What, what, what a great set of results and kudos to that team and that group. And again, all the more reason why I think K2 is going to be successful and Ethos Gold is, is getting aggressive. But um, yeah, your thoughts on that, Nick? Uh, you want to go over the numbers? Spectacular. Let me type it in here so I get them right. Um, well, first of all, this is one that came on our radar. You remember a couple of months ago? I do. Was like, this, was, <laughs> this was getting teased around, and I was trying to figure out what the teaser company was. What was it? What was it? It was Kodiak Copper, and it you know, it turned out it's another Chris Taylor deal. How lucky is that guy? I mean, obviously, there's skill and uh, intelligence and all that involved, but you know, you don't control the rocks, and to have another – uh, discovery like that under his belt already so soon after um, Great Bear is is pretty amazing to me. So the headline number read, uh, Kodiak drills 282 meters of 0.7% copper, 0.49 uh, grams per ton coal, gold, which is a 1.16% copper equivalent, including 45.7 meters of 1.41% copper and 1.46 GT gold or 2.75% copper equivalent. And so um, that's like Chicana style, right? And you got it right in British Columbia. And what did shares do uh, on the back of that? Mm. They go, and that's why I wanted to talk about because mm. that's sort of like the discovery potential and, and what's ex- what excites people about uh, junior resource plays and speculation, especially in an environment like this where mm. uh, exploration and discovery and good results are being rewarded, which is why you know, we've been talking about Nevada Sunrise and Jakarta and Ethos, et cetera. But anyway, 75 cents or thereabouts when it was halted to um, $1.65 yesterday. And then it was up again today because I can only imagine more people reading the news saying I'm not missing the next fucking great bear, right? Absolutely. And congrats to president and CEO of Kodiak, uh, Miss Claudia Tornquist, I believe is, is, is the name. And I'm working top of mind here. So forgive me if I, if I, if I messed that up, but you know, she should be commended as well because obviously she's, she's, you know, the captain of the boat over there, but yeah, congratulations to that group. I think, um, it would, it would, it would serve everyone well if, if you're newer to the space and aren't familiar with the discovery group and John Robbins, um, and, and, and the team and the group of companies that they have put together under the discovery group banner, it would serve everyone well to go and get familiar real quick. It's not a coincidence that a lot of the same teams keep making the discovery. That's why we back the people, right? That's why we back the people. And, and, and it's interesting that usually when you back the, 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 the people that are making the discoveries that make repeated discoveries, those are also the people that always take care of the thing that we first look at. That's how we were taught, right, Nick? The share structure. They're respectful of shareholders, and it allows for a, a, a news release that doubles your share price um, on the back of good results because the float is where the float should be. So, yeah, uh, congratulations to, to, to Kodiak Copper, and uh, if you need help, help telling the story in the U.S., we're happy to do it for you. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. What's good for what's good for junior mining discovery is good for the entire sector, right? 
Absolutely. You know, I, I, I don't have any social media other than the business Twitter account. And it's always interesting to me how there's two types of people in our space. Though there, there, there are the people that, you know, just go I'll out. I'll tell of you a way. funny story. <laughs> there, there's two types, people that go out of their way to share information and be helpful and contribute to the small space that we dabble in. And, and provide information that, 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 that could, you know, help further someone's due diligence. And, and these are people that, like the people that make the discoveries, do so consistently. Um, and then there's the hate-ass other side that all they have to do, 90% of their comments and tweets are why this won't work, why that won't work. And don't get me wrong, there's value there. But if that's the only thing you do, Please enlighten us with some of what will work since you seem to know it all other half of Twitter. Um, again, it's the same group of people that are always down talking other newsletter writers, other companies' projects, the way the news release was written. And again, we should be critical. We should have standards. We should hold people accountable when there are lapses in quality in anything. But that 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 shouldn't be all you do. And it looks really bad, especially if you're a newsletter writer or the head of a company. Um, anyway, that's my rant on that. Kudos to the positive people that share, you know, a good healthy dose of factual information that can be either positive or negative, but it's factual and doesn't come across as only mine <laughs> works and only mine is great and everybody else is boohoo. You know, it's come on, man. This is it's 2020. We're in a bull market. There's a lot of positive things to say and a lot of positive things to share. Yeah, put it out there, people. I'd love to hear your story. So you remember when I sold K92 and I bought some crab cakes back in February, right? Delicious crab cakes, yeah. according they, to you. They, they were delicious. Remember, I sold half, um, I kept half up around, up around $4 and I had been. Um, recommending K92 since uh, it was private at 30 cents. Correct. And um, so $4 is, you know, nothing to sneeze at from, from 30 cents, right? And I just, we had, there were some friendly Twitter exchanges when I when I did that because I tweeted, you know, sold K92, I'm going to buy some crab cakes or whatever. And some people were poking me, why would you sell it? Because it's going higher, right? And I said, well, whatever, it's going higher. That's awesome. Crab cakes were still delicious. Um, it doesn't really it change lower. my... <laughs> Right. So this is this is why it's funny, right? Uh, it doesn't really change my outlook. I'm not going to apologize for taking a gain. I don't care. I have no animosity. Whatever. I sold. You got to sell to make money, right? And you only sold uh, well, in March, <laughs> Right. And March comes and it goes to below $2. I mean, it went down to $1.50 in March. $1.54. I'm looking at it right now. Um, it was, it, it, it was real months, quiet right? on Twitter during that time, right? It was real quiet. You mm -hmm. didn't get any, hey, good time in Nick. Good job. You guided your subscribers correctly. You didn't get any of that? I did not. Okay. Um, and then so the other day I was looking at my phone and I got a little alert on my Twitter thing. And so I clicked on the alert um, and I guess somebody had said, why would you sell it? It's going to $8. Well, you know, that was five months ago or whatever in a, in a global pandemic ago. <laughs> they, You know, they pinged me. So they had obviously been thinking about this because when the stock hit $8, <laughs> they pinged me with a bullseye gift. Like, oh, bullseye. Oh, really? Like bullseye? After it went from $4 to $1.50? Anyway. <laughs> Congrats on your gains. It's awesome that it's at $8. Again, great for the sector. High-grade mine. Just finished a bulk sample. You know, drilling out extensions of the core deposit. That's all awesome. I just don't get that, like, let me poke you with the stick thing. 
Yeah. Did, did, did you tell him that, you know, proceeds? I just told him congrats. Right. I said congrats. All right. Did you tell him that proceeds in your account may have been used to buy, you know, three cent Nevada Sunrise shares with five cent warrant and they traded 30 cents here two months later? You didn't share that with uh, him? I wasn't going through how you should take profits and reinvest in things that <laughs> I haven't done yet. No, I didn't. Again, you know, and again, congrats mm-hmm. on the double from that level. And I, no doubt. And, and again, great team. We're familiar with the team. We, they helped tell that story early on. You you mentioned being involved since before it was private. There were sponsors on the site. Um, and, and they're going to have continued success because they are top-notch, right? They've executed on every front. Production, exploration, managing their jurisdiction risk. I mean, you name it, they've knocked it out of the park. Congratulations. But, you know, like you like you said, there's more than one way to skin a cat, folks. And, and, and you know. Absolutely. And not only do I not apologize for, for taking a game, you know, everybody's got their own time frames and, and reasons for when they sell and why they sell. And if you remember, um, and this, you know, I'll stick with it as, you know, part of my rationale for selling is that, you know, PNG was trying to nationalize a barrack mine and still looks like it's trying to do so. And so I have no regrets. Agreed. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Um, you know, it's interesting to me, Nick, we, um, you and I have worked, I think, definitely on my end of it, as hard over the past several months because of the many ventures that, you know, we're, we're managing and scaling out and initiating. Um, and I know on my end, it's, 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 it's been as fun, but it's been as, as busy as I've ever been. Um, and despite that, uh, Congress is still on vacation, still no stimulus. I saw videos that, you know, in part, you know, kind of break my heart a little bit. You know, I saw a 70 year old woman in middle America having her stuff thrown out by, by, by the deputies and Hey, the deputies are just there to do a job. Um, but that the, the, these things are happening in the U S right now because of the inaction of our Congress and their unwillingness to legislate or in this case, show up for work. And so that's, you know, the, the, the one part that breaks my heart is, Everyday Americans getting hit by a pandemic. This woman was 70. She had health issues. She couldn't work. She hasn't, you know, she got her 1200 bucks three months ago. Hasn't seen much since probably. Um, and, you know, she's on her porch crying. And the other half just gets me just fired up. You know, the uh, Nancy Pelosi, you know, at a salon. She had time for that. You know, Mitch McConnell falling asleep. He's got time for that. So again, I can't wait to this class of politicians from both sides gets, 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 gets a kick in the ass out of here. And, 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 you know, I don't know what, what, what it's going to take to expedite that process. I do believe it's happening, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting time in America if you're not among the top 1%, right? I think that I've often said that politicians are the, one of the most, if not the most hypocritical, uh, groups of humans on the planet. And, um, you know, I don't care what letter party affiliation comes after your name when your constituents are being told to uh, stay at home and they can't go out uh, to eat dinner and they got to wear masks and they can't go to salons and, and you're out there, um, you know, in salons getting your hair did. It's not a good fucking look, man. And uh, it's uber uh, hypocritical. And it's nothing new. It just underscores the point. Right. And so um, I don't know what else I can say about that other than um, 
they don't care about you, which I've said oftentimes, and they don't do the things that they advise you to do. Like, um, I don't know, selling stocks when they know a global pandemic is coming, for example, or, you know, waltzing out to a to a salon when everyone else is is told not to. Or I'm sure you saw the Philly mayor, right? Who's not allowing mm-hmm. people to dine in restaurants in Philadelphia, but slips across that little border there, that Mason-Dixon line, which I grew up right adjacent to. I know how fast you can get from Philadelphia to Elkton, Maryland. It doesn't take long at all. He slipped down there for a nice meal, right? Mm. And so you see, you see stuff like that. Um, when you're speaking out of one side of your mouth and you're doing things out of the other side and it happens all the time, um, you don't have any credibility and your constituents lose faith. And that's precisely where we are now. And not just with this uh, COVID stuff, but with a litany of issues that, you know, it, it would be a 24 hour podcast if we went through from, you know, dirty water in Flint, Michigan uh, to, to all kinds of other stuff. Uh, not the least of which is, by the way, there's politically motivated murders happening now on seemingly in every other day basis in uh, various cities across the country. And so um, if there hasn't been an utter lack of leadership from politicians of all stripes, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to call it. And let me take that one step further, because I not only like to watch what people say, but I really like to watch what people do, a la Jerry Falwell Jr., right? And so there's been whispers about President Trump um, disparaging, you know, the troops. And people say things. uh, That is what it is. There was an article by The Atlantic that where we now have confirmation from several former Trump administration officials, again, his camp, people on his team um, that quote Mr. Trump as saying about the Vietnam War, it was a stupid war and anyone who went was a sucker. Um, Can't all have bone spurs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and there was more there. You know, anybody, just a simple Google search will, will, will kind of lead you to some of the other things that were reported that he said. Now, let's pretend, because I always like to pretend, <laughs> that that's not true. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. 100% benefit of the doubt. Let's say it's bitter ex-administration officials that are making this up. Then why in the fuck have we still not retaliated um, for the rush, for the bounties that were being placed on our soldiers, on our troops um, by Russia via other groups in the Middle East. I still haven't heard a response there. I hear this guy all day blab about everything, tweet about everything, except the stuff that really, really should be getting addressed. And um, I'm no huge fan of Biden, but man, um, Trump's act is turning into a clown show. And I had high hopes in the beginning that he would prove a lot of his skeptics wrong, right? And and while he has done some decent things during his time in office, man, it, it, it seems to get worse. And yet, despite that, his poll numbers seem to it. get better. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, I've mentioned the election betting odds several times on this podcast and how um, you know, Biden had pulled up to like 60 percent well ahead and the polls are reflecting that. And in the past couple of weeks, as and you can see this reflected in the in the public opinion polling, right, as the 
uh, opinion shifted from you know support or neutral towards the the, the BLM uh, protest to, to uh, anti. Twenty five percent of the people polled were saying that it's a negative thing, right? Whereas earlier in the summer they were neutral or saying it was positive. Um, those betting odds have swung back, not in in Trump's favor, but back to about neutral, right? Which is uh, very concerning. And so you see, and it's just, again, I got to talk about the, the hypocritical thing, right? Yeah. Because um, wasn't it like Trump who told the NFL to ostracize Colin Kaepernick because he was, you know, uh, uh, whatever. Um, kneeling was uh, de- degrading the troops or, or disrespectful of the, the troops or whatever, right? And so what kind of hogwash is that where um, you're saying, you know, you're denigrating the troops yourself. And so total hypocrisy, right? And, um, you know, let's talk about the fact that, you know, they're saying it didn't happen, um, you know, but but the the news report was, uh, didn't name its sources, right? And not that they could say anything or reveal their names anyway, because Trump has made staff sign um, NDOs, right? Uh, Or NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. And the last thing I would say is, you know he said this because he said it before in public, like on the record. You remember when he was talking about John McCain and he said he liked people who uh, didn't get captured, for example? Or um, yeah. he's been on record talking about um, why he didn't want to go visit um, or have uh, disfigured or um, veterans that were uh, amputees, you know, in like a public parade saying no one wants to look at that. That was the quote, right? And so... There is precedent for um, him talking like this that is on the record. And Substantial so I have precedent. That he said it. Yeah. And, and again, even Fox News just confirmed here 10 minutes ago that, yes, two former senior Trump administ- administration officials have confirmed it. And also that he didn't want to drive uh, to honor the American war dead outside of Paris. You know, he, he was quoted as saying, um, who were the good guys in that war? Which is so on brand, right? Like, like you know, who 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 are the good guys and and a bunch of other stupid shit that he said. But anyhow, yeah, the hypocrisy is what gets me. Um, I look forward. And the, but the people, the people were trenching into their camps, is what I don't understand. I mean, that was my next know, comment. On so, yep, on, on, on social media and, and especially Instagram, where I see, um, you know, I'm going to talk about specifics. You know, females is what I see, like mm-hmm. um, Christian females, specifically like born again Christian females, some of which that I went to high school with. They're like adamant MAGA folks, right? Like posting all these dumbass fucking memes. And it's just like, you're like a stay at home mom. Like what skin do you have in the MAGA game? Like, why are you like an ardent supporter of Trump? I don't understand. The dude's like, A, not religious. Um, B, not and- a Republican. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, it's just like the Jerry Falwell thing. It's like, why do you support that? I I just don't understand. And I'm not sure if it's because they truly support that um, or they're just so ingrained in being anti-Democrat that, you know, they just default to that. But nonetheless, and even if you're like, whatever, you know, super pro-Biden for that matter, I can't get into that either. I just don't understand uh, (laughs) the, the the willingness to want to be ruled so bad. That's all. And again, you took my next comment, but that's exactly my next comment. Why? Why would anyone pledge loyalty in the in this day and age where everything can be so transparent, where information is so readily available? Why would we not, as a society, want to hold our elected officials accountable? 
why instead do we have this urge to pick a tribe and just see no fault regardless, even as it starts getting your own side killed? Let's talk I, about Portland. Can we do that a bit? Let me Before we get into Portland, let me tell you a lighthearted story because it's going to get heavy. Um, you know, it's not just females and it's not just, um, you know, non-college educated folks. We hear a lot about non-college educated employed whites are like Trump's biggest, you know, supporters. Right. Mm-hmm. I was in the dentist chair the other day with my mouth wide fucking open and I couldn't talk because I was getting a tooth pulled out. And this, this dentist is like 60 years old. He's a nice guy, man. Um, good dentist. Um, and the whole time I was in the chair, it was during the RNC. All he was talking about was the RNC and how good it was. Did you see that fireworks show? He was talking to his assistant. Did you see Melania's dress? How radiant was she? I mean, that was just spectacular. The fireworks in the back, exquisite, exquisite. It was spelling things out. I've never seen anything like it. And it's like he didn't mention one thing about policy. He didn't mention one thing about any any real issue. Nothing, no BLM, no taxes, no China, no COVID, nothing. He was just like an ardent Republican supporter that like loved Melania's dress and was just like all about it. And I just... I would have bit my tongue if my mouth wasn't fucking propped open. <laughs> you know I, mean? like, I, don't I was just like nodding my head like, oh, yeah, because he was like, oh, man, these job numbers, they're just like they're shooting straight up. And, I, you know, I can't hold back to it. I was like, ah, but they're coming off the bottom. But they're coming off the bottom. Of course, the numbers are good. I was like giving it back to him. <laughs> Do you know how a trampoline works, sir? <laughs> the trampoline anyway, economy. That's what they should call it. The trampoline economy. Here you got- here you got a dentist, clearly upper middle class, clearly has professional degrees, is a doctor. And, you know, it's just all wrapped up in this politics thing that I just totally don't fucking get. And again, it is now getting more people killed. And, and, and so let's, let's draw a distinction about what's happening now. And of course, I'm referring to, you know, the death of the right wing protester who was said to have... Um, t- well, I'm not said it, it was confirmed that he had ties to a group, um, that identifies as right wing extremist and, you know, blue lives matter, um, heavy social media presence. Anyhow, he was shot. He was shot by someone in Portland that had that, that was supportive of Antifa. And what happened next was. The police went to arrest the guy that shot the right wing protester um, who he said, you know, he shot him in self-defense. And, you know, depending on who you believe, shots were exchanged. Long story short, the cop shot this guy 30 to 40 times. He's dead now. Dead as a doorknob. Um, He's dead. The right wing protester guy's dead. Trump's tweeting about stupid shit. Pelosi's going to the fucking salon. Um. Neither one it's of those crazy. gentlemen, yeah, each each of those gentlemen that died, neither one of them seemed particularly, you know, well off where they have skin in the game. Like, I understand wealthy people that say, I don't want Biden in there because my selfish self wants that extra, you know, 15% capital gains tax discount that I get on my stock sales. And I don't want to pay an extra three or 4% after four or $500,000. I can at least understand that because that is a fact-based, logical, vote your interest type of a position, right? 
no judgments on it. We can disagree. Uh, we could talk about deficits. We could talk about what you're doing to our kids and kids as kids. Um, but but at least that is based on something. I cannot sit here and 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 just justify or quietly accept that American citizens are now out in the streets murdering each other for nothing more than political ideology and memes. Murder by meme. It's like, if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed because your camp and your tribe was insulted by a meme, you need to get out there. And it's now, like I said, it was going to be a hot summer. It's a hot summer. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, we t- yeah, go ahead. No, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's the gist of it. Um, yeah. I mean, the, this whole thing has morphed into, uh, you know, clearly the killing of, of George Floyd and others sparked it. And that's been going on for a while, all the way back to Ferguson. This, this line of protest isn't new. And, the uh, you know, the police brutality cause isn't, isn't anything uh, new. What's different this time is it's um, documented in real time. <laughs> that and it's 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 conspired, not conspired. It's 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 happening contemporary contempor- contemporaneously with um, massive unemployment and, and massive wealth disparity uh, and a global pandemic and a fourth turning and an election year and all these things. And so. Um, the people I've told you this, and I've told, I've said this on the podcast. When I went to the protest in Spokane, the couple of times I went, I've told you there's no black people in Spokane. You know that's being extreme. There's black people in Spokane, but statistic wise, it's very low. And so I didn't walk um, around alone when I went to visit you. <laughs> <laughs> I went with my tall, big Italian descendant friend. <laughs> um, you know. Th- the people were clearly marching on behalf of of the police brutality calls and, and reform, but there's an undercurrent there. And it's that undercurrent of, uh, we didn't talk much about the dollar earlier, but it's that undercurrent of the dollar at two-year lows and that mm. purchasing power disappearing. Um, and that lack of upward mobility and that frustration with your uh, status and your stage in life. And all that um, is a result of the, the system and and how it's been set up. And while a lot of people can't flesh out all the different things that are affecting them, right, as far as why they can't get ahead with uh, debt and upward mobility and being able to save, et cetera, um, while they can't articulate it and they can't say it clearly, it's clearly um, those are the emotions and those are some of the reasons that are driving uh, this unrest. And then... Um, it gets morphed politically, right? Because I remember talking about like outside agitators a couple of months ago, right? Which is mm. like a total lie. And then you get like um, the president and and others tweeting and basically spurring it on, right? Like he was tweeting, these are great patriots, right? Um, that were out there in a mm-hmm. caravan, like shooting people with, um, you know, uh, paintballs and things like this. And then so reality... Um, gets thrust into the bizarro world, right? Because it's like, wait, can you just like drive down a road and shoot people with paintball guns? Like, isn't that uh, like assault and battery? Like, why aren't these people being arrested? And so it's just sort of like devolves into chaos, no matter what side you're on. And surely it's chaos uh, when you got people uh, being shot in the streets, right? And then you, you look on Twitter and, and 
it goes right back to what you were saying about the memes, right? You got all these people that don't have all the information that are talking about conspiracies and this and that and the Proud Boys. And it's just uh, to a point of such politicization that people are literally willing to die for uh, a political party that doesn't support them while they don't have two nickels to rub together. The guy that was killed, Aaron J. Danielson, uh, was from Spokane. He's yep. born and bred in Spokane. He went to he went to high school here, and there's been some pretty good local reporting that I can share. I can put a link up to. There's I love like that. Go there's like a GoFundMe to bury that dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the family doesn't have money. Like, what are you out there, like, rallying for uh, the the right cause for? Like, what the fuck have they done for you? I just don't understand it. Let's, um, there's a lot there. There's a study that was just released um, by a nonprofit called the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project. And, you know, it stated the obvious. The United States is in crisis. But but it, it got into some really interesting things. So this group, by the way, typically monitors like war zones and like political upheaval around the world. But with everything going on in the U.S., um, they decided to start um, in, 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 in collaboration with uh, Princeton University. They decided to start monitoring the U.S. given, you know, everything we just talked about. And so they've identified 7,750 protests from May 26 through August the 22nd that were linked to the Black Lives Matter movement. The protests took place in 2,400 locations across all 50 states and the district, right? This group was able to identify about 220 locations where the protests became violent. They reported that 93% of the protests have been peaceful and non-destructive. They also reported that even when demonstrators, protesters, rioters, and looters, you know, let's let's separate that out, clashed with police or counter-protesters or caused property damage, it was largely confined to specific blocks. It was not, as you see on TV, you know, dispersed throughout the entire city. Um, and so... I found that interesting, 93% peaceful. And the way they measured it was, was not just protesters being peaceful, but police as well. They then dug into when it did escalate. And they identified that there's been a dramatic escalation in the government's response to protest. And so police and other government agencies intervened to stop or confront protesters in about 10% of the Black Lives Matter protests nationwide. In little than, a little more than half of those cases, it's 5%, right? Um, authorities use force. So less lethal weapons, tear gas, rubber bullets, pepper spray, batons, all of that. And they note that the heavy-handed police response appears to have inflamed tensions and increased the risk of violent escalation. And so they talked Portland. They talked about Portland. Um, and they talked about the fact that the protests, you know, we're going on over a hundred days now and, and it's been intense and people forget again, facts matter. Everyone, while Trump keeps tweeting at the mayor, you know, if you don't get it under control, we're going to go fix it. Uh, guess what? Federal forces arrived in July. Everybody they've been there since July. And guess what this report noted? It noted that since the arrival of federal forces and state force, 
the, the, the escalation has drastically increased the velocity of it. And so in late May and June, fewer than one fourth of Portland's demonstrations were met with state force. That figure jumped to 40% in July and August after federal agents got there. And the number of violent demonstrations rose from 53 to 63% after federal agents arrived. Um, there's a number of other very interesting statistics here that, that you know, are, are, are worth going over and I'll, I'll put a link to it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, facts matter, everyone. It's not what you see on CNN or, or Fox or even what you read out of most of the media outlets. They all have an agenda for the most part, right? Stick to numbers, stick to facts. And uh, this was really, really, really interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, you mean to tell me, Gerardo, that when you said increased police force to protest that are protesting increased police force, it inflames the tensions? When the protests are about police brutality and the response is police brutality, people tend to get pissed off. Yeah. And now they're shooting each other and families are setting up GoFundMes and President Trump's in his bunker and Pelosi's at the salon and you got some person on Twitter mad at you because you sold K92 at four bucks. <laughs> Fucking 2020. 2020, Chadwick Bozeman. The Black Panther died at 43 of colon cancer. And so the last four years of acting brilliance, he was doing it in pain. This guy was visiting cancer wards and, and just never once made mention or brought attention to himself. Class act. I, I wish nothing but the best for his family and nothing but peace for him. But, you know, that that that, that was sad. But again, that's 2020, right? And then I wake up today and I they, they say that the the filming of Batman has has been has has has, has stopped. They had to stop the, the 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 filming because fucking Batman has COVID. Robert Patterson Jesus. Patterson, the guy that's playing Batman, turns out he tested positive for COVID. So they gotta stop shooting for a couple of weeks. And it's just you know, it's it's one after the other. And so again, you know, professionally, it's as productive and, and efficient as I think I've ever been. And then personally, like life is great, but man, societally and as a community, you know, my heart is heavy with a lot of this stuff, man. It's, um, I'm glad I'm 41, Nick, and I hope I get to be 61 or 71 one day and look back and, and say that, yeah, you know, the 20s. <laughs> this set of 20s was the craziest time ever but wow look at the transition and and then look at the turning and look what it led to and hopefully it's beautiful things and our kids are leading that charge and we're helping guide them right uh, given his uh origins in the bat world i would assume some sort of <laughs> self self immunization or something you would think you would think i thought batman catching covid on the set of batman was the most 2020 thing ever <laughs> I hadn't read that. That does make me chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> um, about a year or so ago, there was an episode and we talked about rare earths and we talked about gold and what we thought would happen and that you would start seeing. I, I, I said that the shift from the financial center being the U.S. towards the east would would be more pronounced by the end of this decade, but that we would start seeing small shots and I think China just took one. They've announced that they're going to cut holdings of U.S. bonds um, from above a trillion to about 800 billion. Now, again, um, it's not a huge sum, but I also think it's a hint of 
something tangible, right? So again, while President Trump and the, and the administration is tweeting all these things that they're going to do and can do, and uh, China's doing some things. And I don't think that the dollar being at a two-year low and China dumping bonds, um, dollar holdings is a coincidence. I think it's a preview of how the decade will end. And I think, unfortunately, for those in the U.S. who pride themselves as being the financial center of the world, I think our influence on that front will weaken. Um, for better or worse, and be clear, China is a communist country that you know um, goes about things in a very different way. Whatever faults we have here in the U.S., and there are many, um, you know, we, 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 we have more of a voice, I believe, than they do there. And so... Something to keep an eye on. Um, it's a long-term game of chess that China is playing, and and they hold some pretty uh, pretty important chips over there. Um, I can tell you that China has their eye more focused on the ball than uh, one President Donald Trump, for sure. Um, and they also have a president for life that is basically um, uh, has been chosen to enact this manifest destiny, right? Um, whether that's um, taking back control of the South China Sea or, um, you know, removing uh, the dollar as the, the central currency peg of the world, which you were just talking about. And um, they're not really shy about it. I mean, um, it was it's got to be a couple of years now. I have no sense of time anymore, Gerardo. I don't know if anyone else does. When yeah. they um, started doing the settlement of oil contracts in non-U.S. dollars. Do you remember that? And then. Yeah. Um, like I have this article up because I always keep a hundred tabs open, and I've had this one open since April. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> September, but I still have the tab open, so here it goes. Because I knew it was going to come in handy one day. There you go. Uh, Shanghai Gold Boss wants super sovereign currency for post-crisis times. This story didn't really get talked about, but I knew I left it open in a tab for a reason, and it went on to talk about how the president of the Shanghai Gold Exchange. Uh, was calling for a super sovereign currency to offset the dominance of the global dollar, which is exactly what we just fucking said. Um, <laughs> and he said that the dollar was going to go down in the long term anyway. So like they're telling you exactly what they're doing and uh, to believe that they aren't committed to doing so, I think it's foolish. I think it's foolish as well. And I think by the end of this decade, we're going to look back and again, you know, listen to some of this stuff and go, man, that was pretty clear, clear writing on the wall there. It's not like these guys are rocket scientists, but yeah, they got that one right as well. Right. Yeah. Blind squirrels for sure. That's it. That's it. Well, listen, Nick, we, we, we gave some names of some companies that have important drill results reporting. We shouted out Kodiak copper. We shouted out the team from the discovery group. Um, we talked politics. We talked volatility. I think you can expect more of that. Um, anything else you want to get off your chest before I let you go to enjoy your Labor Day weekend? Um, no, buy the dips in gold. This was uh, a classic opportunity to, to do that this week. And I think post Labor Day, you'll see um, renewed strength in the uh, gold market. And um, I don't know if this summer has been like other summers. I know there's a lot of people not working in the <laughs> office and, you know, watching the screen out of half a corner of one of their eyes while they're drinking margaritas with the other one. But um, you would think when some of these, you know, fund managers and big money folks, you know, stop drinking in the Hamptons or whatever they're doing and realize what went down this summer and where gold is and what Buffett's doing, um, especially with Japan. Kudos to you for 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 sniffing that out where others mm. hadn't. 
um, that maybe they're going to say, you know what, it's time to put some capital to work in other places. And so I'm, I'm happily looking forward to this fall. Absolutely. And, and for you, you mentioned the article, the piece that I wrote this past week on Outsider Club for Outsider Club. You can go to OutsiderClub.com and click on it. But yeah, an important pivot um, for Buffett, you know, getting more precious metals exposure, um, some copper exposure, some uranium exposure. It's hard when a whale of that size is looking for that exposure. Um, I thought that was a brilliant way, you know, getting into uh, five of the largest Japanese trading companies and taking a stake there. And, and, and again, like China, he's not playing, you know, playing it close to the vest. He, he, he was very clear in saying, I, I may double my stake in these companies because I, I, I would like a larger holding. And so again, you can say what you say about Mr. Buffett. He's 90 years old, but he clearly, clearly still knows how to maneuver in this environment. And I think that, uh, it would be worthwhile for all of you to go and read that article and then go dig into Mr. Buffett's holdings and why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of rich people out there and a lot of whales. And I was seeing some whale comments today about SoftBank and, you know, what they were doing. And if I'm looking at a whale, I'm definitely looking at what Mr. Buffett has been doing and not looking at buying calls on the fucking QQ. <laughs> <laughs> You guys will be listening to this on Labor Day here in the U.S. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I hope everybody has a great week. Um, I'm going to say it one more time, and I'm never going to say it again until it's $5. Go buy Magna Gold, everybody. If uh, <laughs> I, I added this week, I'm adding more next week probably. Uh, mind you, again, you know we, we, we initiated a position in Magna, you and I, Nick, at the 10 cent level. Um, it's sitting here at a buck 40 or something like that. I'm happy to pay a buck 40. For it today, I already own shares. Um, I, I like I said, I've added more. Um, yeah, I, I think we're watching the next mid-tier gold producer out of Mexico be built right before our eyes. And again, like 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 the Japan story and the Buffett story, not a lot of people connecting the dots on that. They will because they always do. Sometimes it takes a day or two, and sometimes it takes six months, and sometimes it takes a year. And frankly, I hope it takes a couple of more months because man, I would like to increase my position pretty substantially in that company. That's it. It's time to get right. That's all I got. Episode 85, Bizarro World. Dick, say goodbye to everybody. See you guys.